Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Recovery Central. The sun is shining somewhere, I don't know, because I'm inside and I haven't got a window, but that doesn't matter because the world is still turning and I'm still in it, which is the most important thing of all. I hope you're all still in it, I hope it's still turning for you, and I hope that we're all in reality today. Well, whatever our version of reality may be some days. I don't have a co-host today, but what I'm not going to do is put on different voices and pretend to be three people at once, because that wouldn't be very good for my head, I don't think. I've got quite a mixed bag for you today. We've got deflection, we've got denial, we've got more deflection, we've got focusing on other things and projecting everything onto someone else's problems because I don't want to deal with my own. Also today, I have the first half of an interview that I've conducted this week with Katie, who is the daughter of two alcoholics, but for her parents, their journeys were very, very different. So today we'll be hearing about Katie's journey with her mother. So without further ado, let's get into the first thing, which is a dialogue. Hello? Hello, Mark. I'm struggling. With what? It's it's just I can't. One piece at a time. It's too much. Slowly. If only you wouldn't. Who? Because I know she's... Right, so... I'm just so confused. Right, that makes two of us. Does it? Yes. Why? You need to slow down. Okay, I'm just I'm just really stressed and... Oh, I don't know. Right, let's start at the beginning. What happened? I was late talking to Maria outside the meeting, so I missed a bus, and then when I... Missing a bus isn't serious, is it? Is this Maria that you talked about last week? Yes. She's very new, isn't she? Well, she was around the rooms last year, but she relapsed. Jamie drove her to it, of course. Who's Jamie? Her ex. I've not met him, but he's obviously still trying to control her. Is it? Stuff he does. Well, we're not here to talk about him, are we? But it's... No buts. You were late for a bus because you were talking with Maria. She's not well. No? How so? He keeps threatening to take the kids off her and... I thought it was you had the problem here. I do. So why do you keep talking about her? That's part of it. It isn't. No, but I thought that... No, it's not. We don't have to take on other people's problems, Mark. It's just... Just what? I'd like to help her. And how are you going to do that? I don't know, but it... Oh, he made me so angry. Who? Jamie? Yes, he was just, you know... And you don't know him? No, but I want... To help someone you've never met and, and get you so wound up? Because it's affecting her. And why are you feeding into this? Because it's not fair. What is it? The way he's behaving? Yes. And everything you know about him is what she's told you? I know, but... Are you sure she's telling you the truth? That's not fair. You don't know her. Is she talking to an announcer apart from you? Well, I don't know. I know she doesn't get on with a sponsor, but... And what does she mean by that? I think it's about trust. I mean, I know she trusts me, but... And how do you know that? Because she told me. So, what do you need me to help you with? We've been talking for a few minutes now, and all you've talked about is Maria's situation with Jamie. What I'm hearing is that someone you don't know at all is making things difficult for someone you've only just met around the rooms. It's complicated. Only if you make it so. But... You can't deal with her issues, so look at your own. Oh, come on. Come on what? I was only trying to help her. And why, I wonder? No, it's not like that between us, honest. Are you sure? Definitely. Because you can do without that. I know. You sure? Not getting ideas? No. Just be careful, okay? Sometimes we want to help, but we may not be the best place to do it. It's just... Her problems are not necessarily part of your job description, understand? I think so. So be mindful, that's all. Okay. Well, I would like to be able to say that I've never been there, done that, but I have, and that's what's brought about the writing of it, I suppose. Very common trap to fall into. I'm in everybody else's business because I don't want to look at my own. Right, next up, we have a letter for you. Well, I say we, it's not the royal we, it's I have a letter for you. Although this was pre-prepared last week, so I wasn't on my own. This is about blanket denial. 
where the alcoholic or the addict is drinking and using themselves and yet focuses on what someone else is doing with substances in order to some way excuse. Dear Jim, Jack and Jess, I'm so pleased to hear you on the radio, even if you're not on Radio 4 yet. Do you want to be on Radio 4? I think you're too clever to be on these newfangled stations, but anyway, I do find your programme very helpful, as you often explain just what needs to be done with the difficult people in my life. In the last year, I've put my mother into a home. She's only 65, so it took some creative thinking to convince them that she was incontinent as well as senile. And I've been able to have my brother sectioned by cleverly editing a video to make it look like he's trying to fly off a building. Unfortunately, there are now some issues with my gardener. My gardener has been getting ideas and making even more obvious hints than ever about how I don't need to be on my own, not if I don't want to be, before smiling at me suggestively. I made a mistake last year, allowing him to sit at the table with me one morning. Simple as that. Then the wheels started coming off. I do like a tot or three at nine in the morning. It's far too late for coffee by then. Now on the day in question, and I remember this distinctly, Norman, that's the gardener with ideas about me, I mean really, me, his employer, Norman had been lugging compost all morning, so I let him sit down for a lemonade. I didn't have any lemonade because I don't like it and I don't believe in chasers, but that's not the point, is it? We started talking and before we knew it, I had to find another bottle of Baileys and it was coming up to lunchtime. Norman obviously needs help if he's drinking on the job. How do I suggest to him that he seeks it? Also, how can I be sure that when I tell him it's never going to happen between us, that he'll be sober enough to understand? Does this mean I should do my drinking indoors from now on? Yours, Sylvia. It's a bit funny, that one. Oh, welcome to the Grand Denial again. Yeah. Maybe I should do my drinking indoors. And also the total misinterpretation of what we do on Reading These, that we're supposed to be telling people how to get rid of the awkward people in their life. Must have listened to that one we did the other week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, about the guy who was trying yeah. to get his mother put in a home. So, uh, and we've got exactly the same here. And this we? woman thinks she's succeeded because she's got the mother into a home. And it was probably the mother that was telling her she was mad. She's got her in and got the, who was that, the brother or something, flying off a building. Yeah, brother. Yeah, editing a video to make it look like he's trying to fly off a building. I've heard it all. Yeah, and he's drinking a bottle of Baileys uh, before lunchtime. And so is she. Although yeah. I think while it's funny, this whole issue with the gardener, it shows that her drinking has put her in a very vulnerable situation. Because okay. he probably is thinking, oh, she's half-cooked most of the time, but mm -hmm. she's loaded. Mm -hmm. All I've got to do is gradually sidle my way in there. Yeah, little piece, bit by bit. And, and before I know it, I'll get her to agree to things that she wouldn't perhaps agree to if oh, she yeah. was sober. Exactly, and before you know it, it'll be no will. <laughs> and this idea of having a pot or three at nine, because it's far too oh, late for coffee. coffee. Yeah, it's a bit comical, this one, but yeah, it does happen. But the extent she's gone to, you know, trying to get her mum classified senile and viewing it as a success, that she's convinced them not only is she senile, but also is she incontinent. incontinent. And getting her put in a home at 65. And editing, going to all this trouble of editing a video 
to make it look like her brother was trying to fly off a building. Mm-hmm. And she added it to the point where she's put wings on his I arms. I was just thinking that. How on earth would you do that? Was he... Is it going to be like the first flight attempt yeah, that man yeah, made yeah. 130 years ago? Where the they were jumping off buildings with wings, thinking they were going to fly and just going splat. It's probably a bit, a bit senile, but I don't know, actually. She's convincing me now. Then I think this woman's mad. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, bonkers. And she's mad because of alcohol. Yeah. And her decision making has gone all over the place, mm-hmm. as it does. And I think the chances of getting through to her would be minimal. Definitely. Because she even says at the end, should I do my drinking indoors, indoors from now on? As if to say, I'm going to carry on doing this anyway, but I don't want Norman sharing my booze because I have to keep buying more, mm-hmm. even more than I get through already. Do you think Norman drinks on the job normally? By the sounds of it, I think they're all drunk in that hour. I'm wondering whether he does. I'm wondering whether he does actually have an agenda to take advantage of a drunk woman. He probably does, yeah, he probably does. Before you know it, she'll be locked up in a senile home. And And it can happen unintentionally to Mm -hmm. a degree, or it certainly can happen intentionally, whereby she's made herself so vulnerable because her decision-making is so awry Mm -hmm. and her judgment has gone. On rational things like how to deal with her mother, her brother, and presumably anyone else that's difficult in her life. Yeah. That vulnerability and lack of judgment means that he can inveigle his way in there mm-hmm. and become the next Mr. Bailey's and well, that's it, have a top nine in the morning. Yeah, someone to talk to, and she starts to get lonely because she's got rid of the rest of them. And I don't get the impression she's struggling for cash no, either because no, she's employing a gardener yeah. and and buying whatever she's buying. So, I mean, it's very difficult to get through to people, isn't it, when when they're that deeply entrenched in denial. And one would have to hope that when she's next listening to Radio 4, (laughs) she listens to someone telling her story. Well, yeah. Do you reckon if she sobered up, if she did get sober, she'd be getting back, getting them out of the old people's home? Well, if she got sober, I suppose she might consider that an amends. But that would be an example of when we perhaps go back to make an amends, but yeah. we've done something so awful mm-hmm. that it doesn't get turned around just like that. No, and particularly within families, you know, what she's done is such a betrayal for both of them. Because yeah. the poor brother's going to be there on a mental health ward mm-hmm. saying, I'm not mad, I didn't try and jump off a building. And it's, yeah, it's just indicative of the mess we get into when alcohol is making our decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm Rush. hoping that something gets broadcast on Radio 4. There's been a story about alcoholism on the Archers, actually. Oh, right. Which I've suddenly started listening to again because of the alcohol story. Mm-hmm. And maybe if she's a Radio 4 listener, then, then she'll hear that and perhaps the seed will be sown. Maybe. Or maybe Norman will get sick of making hints and he will go. Maybe. We live in hope. We do. And we have to wait for people in that kind of miasma, that mess, to to finally conceive that they need help themselves. I don't think it's the gardener that needs it, I think it's it's the lady herself. Anyway, now we have the first part of this interview, which I conducted earlier in the week, and it's very important, I think, that we acknowledge the seismic bomb we unleash when we drink or we use or behave on top of that the way that we do, because it doesn't just affect me when I'm doing that it affects everyone who's immediately around me it's like a butterfly wing it's 
It's that drop in the ocean that changes the whole dynamic. It's very important, I think, for me, as an alcoholic in recovery, to hear what it's like and to know perhaps what I look like and the feelings that induces in my nearest and dearest. And this story is very much one of two parts. And the reason why I split it up is because the first part, as you will find out, Katie's mother found recovery. I'd like to welcome Katie, who is going to talk to us about how she was affected as a member of the family. In dealing with two alcoholics? Two, yeah. So you're the daughter of two alcoholics? Yes. Wow. <laughs> at the same time? <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. I thought about this. At the same time, I mean, does anybody ever really become an alcoholic or have they all, always got it in them? I don't know, is my honest answer to that. Um, I think, you know, my parents were, if I remember way back when, they always drank a lot. But, you know, my kind of early memories from childhood are more... We had a lot of parties. People always round. They were very sociable people. Yeah. They were always eating out. The very early memories of, of alcohol were not bad. That's got the face of normalcy as well, hasn't it? It, it, it absolutely. Up until you know my teenagers, everyone would probably you know there's there's a lot of people who would experience the same. If you ask them, obviously you can't ask my dad, but if you was to ask my mom, she'd always say deep down that that she always felt an urge to drink a lot of alcohol. But as a family member, I don't suppose I ever really saw anything abnormal. But they both took it in turns to have their pinnacle points, should we say. The points where I would say that they hit rock bottom, yeah. should we say. And my mum was first. She lost my nan when I was around about 17. She had to put her into a home. And six months after she put her into a home, she passed away and... and you know, there's a lot going on with the home. I don't think she was treated very well, which I think weighed down on my mum quite a lot. But instead of obviously being open and talking about it, she kind of... Sometimes I think there's a... Whether I say I was an alcoholic from birth or whether I became one, there's certainly a tipping point where the so-called normalcy goes and it goes into free fall. And in the same way as with normal people in inverted commas yeah. a very difficult situation of a losing a close family member can tip them slightly over the edge anyway I, agree, yeah. I suppose yeah. the difference is that normal people don't go and get drunk in a hole for 10 years no exactly um, that exactly that i think the other thing is is that you you've kind of got hit by a double whammy there haven't you because yeah. not only is your nan gone yeah. you've got your mother doing that yeah yeah, definitely, and I, and I totally agree. I think if there's something there already, if there's an addiction gene there, should we say, you know, I'm a big believer that that gene is already there, then yes, a big life-changing moment like that would probably, it does either tip some people over the edge or some people try and cope with it. But yes, it, it was a double whammy, and I think where my mum was concerned, my instinct was to run to my dad, to be honest with you. I have a brother who's six years older than me. He took the brunt of my mum, is the only way to put it, I think. My mum and dad were obviously separated at that point. They separated when I was about eight. And my instinct was to run away. At 17, I didn't cope with it very well. Well, that's understandable. Uh, no, 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 now down the line, I can see, yeah, it's understandable. I wanted to shut off. I wanted to run away. I just wanted to get away from it. So, yeah, my kind of memories of, of mum's drinking days were probably very different to my brother's. Because as I you know, but some of the stories that he's, he's told me, they're bad. I mean, I don't know how much detail you, you want me to go into. Or that no, it's entirely up to you. I think one of the things that we get from this, that obviously as 
however long I've been sober as an alcoholic, the one thing that I don't have is a perspective on myself. I had to ask my family what it looked like. And it's very difficult to understand that in perspective. So I mean, what you will have seen is something that none of us alcoholics and addicts see ourselves, which is what it looks like from outside. Yeah, I agree. And I think, yeah, that makes sense. Like you say, self-perspective is a a funny thing, but I'm sure her memories of it are completely different. And I suppose for addicts as well, that's what you run away from. It's probably what makes you relapse because you can't deal with the reality. This is my assumption, by the way, I can't know for sure, but you can't deal with that. You can't deal with somebody saying to you, well, this is what you've done and reliving it moment by moment. You feel bad enough. You don't want to relive it. I understand that. And being honest with you, it's something that I don't really talk to my mum about anymore because she probably relives it every day. I don't need to say it to her anymore. But there was a time in our lives that we did go through it. The vision was awful. It was my brother having to force feed vodka just to stop her from having convulsions and things like that. It was bad. I think from my perspective, I years down the line felt awful that I wasn't there. I have to live with that, that I wasn't there to support my brother or my mum, that I ran away. And when I hear things like that, I think, God, I could have really, I really could have helped, at least supported my brother, at least supported my mum, but I, I just couldn't physically myself do it at the time. It was really, really hard to do. I just shut off, just completely shut off of all emotion from it and just thought, no, I can't deal with this. This is just too much to take. But as I say, my mum's kind of answer to my, my nan passing away was to lie in bed and she lost a job, she lost the house, she pretty much lost everything. That was her kind of answer. And as I say, the two stories between my mum and my dad were, were very different because mum's was very quickly very very obvious so my mum she hit rock bottom and again in inverted commas as you would say typical alcoholic lay in bed cut herself off from the world didn't want to talk to anybody oh yes you know that's the typical yes we know all about that i'm sure you do yeah apparently that's exactly what alcoholics are supposed to look like my dad was very different for a very long time they owned a pub it was glamorized it was great you know he He'd buy everybody a drink. I he can imagine. Having known you <laughs> for some time, I, I, exactly. I imagine, Exactly. Yes. He, he was everyone's friend, you know, um, life and soul of the party, brilliant. He kept on as a functioning alcoholic, should we say, for, for a longer time than what my mum did. And the irony of the fact that I ran to him for solace whilst also getting drunk with him every night yeah. at the pub was it's quite... It's quite mad, really. It is mad, all of that. It's the feeling beholden and the feeling that you've got to do something about this when it really isn't your problem or fault. And one of the things that my family say to me now quite frequently is that all we care about is that we don't have to wait for that phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning anymore. Forget the money, forget the other stuff. It's gone. But at the time my immediate family were lost with it they had no idea what to do yeah and if you think of it rationally there's no reason why you would have any idea what to do (laughs) because and and especially when you talk about your dad being the kind of functional one yeah what you still get i find as i get further and further into sobriety is how mad alcoholics sound in terms of their reasoning (laughs) <laughs> so they might not lock themselves up 
They might not lie in bed with a bottle of vodka all day, yeah. but they might actually be speaking to you about something. And it's a specific type of madness which only alcoholics and addicts possess. Yeah, yeah. Wild schemes that, that make no sense at all. <laughs> yeah. And you think, shall I agree? <laughs> yeah, definitely. 100%. And your mother got sober, didn't she? She did, yes. Last month, she's 13 years sober now, Whoa. which is a, an achievement that I know I don't take for granted. As I say, she hit rock bottom, and you have to forgive me because my memories, timelines, things like that are very, very hazy because my coping mechanism was to just shut down. Yeah. Real hard memories. It takes me a lot to actually remember them. It's really, really difficult. So my timelines and things like that might be a bit off. But yeah, as I say, she hit rock bottom. She got to a stage where she, as I say, you know, she was losing the house, etc. She sent a bit of a funny message to a friend at the time, and, and luckily he, he got really worried about it, as if to say something wasn't right. The message didn't make any sense, and so at that point he phoned my brother um, and said there's something not right with your mum. Even more so, phoned an ambulance, and luckily they they got there because she'd pretty much taken a, an overdose and went into intensive care. That, I think, was the turning point for her. After that, she, obviously, I don't, I can't speak for her, cause I, but I think at that point, I think she, she realised, no, I really want to live. Like, this is too much now. So, luckily at the time, and I know this is a, a sore subject, that the funding was still there and, and she, she managed to get into rehab. And did really well there and went into supportive housing when she came out and through sheer determination I can't tell I don't I, I'm sometimes in awe she hasn't touched a single drop since she hasn't relapsed since it's mm. been 13 years and she hasn't touched a single drop but I know it takes a lot of effort every day still it's not a mm. case that it's not a given. Yeah, yeah. E exactly. It's not a given. And so, and I think every time, you know, the year anniversary rolls around, it makes me realise even more, which to be honest with you is what kind of pushed me into this today, really, because I thought 13 years, you know, it's, it's, it's a very long time. And what's the most positive thing for you in having your mum sober? Oh, God. Or is there no limit to the number no, of things? No, you no, no, it's... Uh, it's Having a relationship with her yeah. is... Because that had gone, I assume. Oh, it had gone because I'd run away and I couldn't... I was so angry. I was so, so angry. And my problem is I feel like I, I... The anger was there, but it was more frustration that you are totally helpless. Now, I'm a bit of a control freak anyway. So is she, but... It's so frustrating that there's nothing you can do, nothing you can say, nothing you can you are so helpless you, you can be there but you can't you, you literally you, there's nothing you can say do you, and that to me that made me really angry because i thought well what am i supposed to do then i can't do anything and so that's why our relationship broke down as i say part couldn't deal with it part didn't know what to do it took a while after she got sober i can't say i didn't give her a hard time because i did can't say I just went yeah that's great and you're sober now and and everything kind of went back to normal because it didn't well that's the misguided assumption that I, I see people coming through rehab thinking that and they think in eight weeks that everyone's gonna forgive them oh no and I Bollocks. wish I wish 
I wish it was that easy. Well, you can't You be, can't, no. and you can't. And, and, and part of it is because, one, you just don't believe it. You think it's all going to go yeah. up again anyway. So you think, well, what's the point? And you're angry still, you're hurt. But I suppose the biggest thing that I've learned, I think, as I've got older probably as well, I mean, I'm 32 now, this all kind of started when I was 17. I think as I've got older and got a bit more perspective about things, I think that the old cliche that you have to do it for yourself is yeah. 100% accurate. And I think as a family member, from the outside looking in now, I, I understand that and appreciate that a lot more. Mm. And unfortunately, I've had to go through what I've gone through. So it, it's important to note that most people won't have gone through that and most yeah. families won't understand that. They won't get that. They, you know, I've spent a lot of time wondering why I'm not enough. Why is my brother not enough? Why are we not enough to change yeah. you? I understand that it doesn't work that way, but not many people do. You know, I mean, we talk about powerlessness in terms of how we are with the substance, but I know there's a great deal of powerlessness to the family. Massive. And in watching someone yeah. who might be so many things and who might do so many things, going Jekyll and Hyde, and turning into a monster and doing all this awful shit that you really can't get your head around. And then the promises, and the promises, and the promises, and the beginning with just being a pain in the ass to the point of being absolutely horrible. Yeah. And knowing that you can't do anything. I heard it described by someone else I was talking to recently as actually almost like dealing with death anyway. Yeah. In that you get angry, you go through this denial thing of thinking, oh, maybe he isn't that bad. And then you get to this point where you think, oh, actually, uh, no, it's... uh." And it takes a long time to find that acceptance, because I think when we alcoholics talk about acceptance, we kind of forget that everyone that's ever been close to us has to find something around that too. And also our immediate families don't necessarily have a choice. My friends as they were then, before I landed in Birmingham, they did have a choice, and most of them just cut me off. Yeah. But my family didn't, really. Not in the same way. No. Because you you can't change people. No, you can't. imagine that that is very scary I can imagine that is it first I can imagine it is at, at first I think mm-hmm. if I was to try and put myself in, in those shoes fortunately speaking specifically about alcohol it's a very big part of society and I think the big worry is that oh god am I, you know how am I how am I ever going to live a normal life but not drink how can I actually go and socialize but not drink how is that even possible and yeah I understand that must be absolutely terrifying however You've got to weigh it up on balance, I think. You've got to also have a balance and think, you know what? If my friends really do support me, they'll understand that I don't want to drink. That's the crux of it. And the ones that are always going to be friends will understand that anyway. Exactly. Life does go on. And I had this crazy idea that what am I going to do? Exactly. And then when I actually sat down and started writing things down, it became obvious that most of these wild and wonderful nights I thought I'd had, I couldn't remember. (laughs) And always there was the odd night that was supposed to be, oh yeah, brilliant night. And I'd been picked up in my boxer shorts outside the train station, not knowing where I've been. And it's all well and good, just once or twice. Yeah. 
but not when it's all the time. No, and, and, and the shame starts right away. I was looking you know? at the last years of my drinking that were just me in the room on my own. Who wouldn't want to replace that? Exactly. If you're at the beginning and you're wondering whether you haven't got to that stage yet and you're wondering, okay, shall I, can I really do I this? I wish more know? people would come. I wish more people would come when they're just getting off the rails. Yeah. I wish we had some way of embedding some sort of confidence in families to actually stick their hands up and say, this isn't normal. Agreed, yeah. When they see that their brother or their mother or their father or whoever has completely blacked out the night before, even though they didn't appear to be drunk. Agreed. That's yeah. not normal. No. That only happens to alcoholics. Yes. When someone has been evidently stealing and another person in the family is pretending it didn't happen because they don't want to believe it. Yeah. If we had more forums, I think, for people to talk about this, there'd be more chance. I think so before it actually um, gets to a stage. Because I, I get the impression with your experience that it was quite a lonely one dealing with your mum, for you and your brother. Yeah, definitely. We definitely didn't. We didn't reach out. I'd go as far to say that most of the people in my life at the time knew it was going on, but I never spoke about it. Yeah. Um, the great unspoken. Oh, yeah. massively. I never spoke about it. Was there a shame factor in that? I don't no. want to draw attention to this. Yes, because I'd have to deal with it then. Yeah, exactly. For me, yeah. that was, I would have to deal with it then. And I wasn't prepared to deal with it. Denial I goes both ways. It. Complete denial. And it's just a case that if it, it wasn't happening, if I didn't say it. Yeah. And... My answer, yes, you could say the fact I was 18 as well at the time, but it was just to get absolutely obliterated every weekend, just complete forget what's happening. Ironically, probably the same as what an alcoholic would. I think the relationships are very close. Yeah, and I think the, it's the same as, as I didn't want to say I'm an alcoholic. No one else wanted to say it either, and it had to come from me in the end. Yes. Let's put this in context. You were 17, 18, and your mum was going haywire. But who's the adult here? Yeah. Because what happens with this, I think, is that we get whoever there is in the family that's looking at it is suddenly expected to cater for this. Yeah. And this can involve, oh, God, we don't want this going too far because all the neighbours will talk and all the... Yeah. You know, yeah. And we yeah. don't want do-gooders coming up and knocking on the door and trying to help. It's like people coming to a funeral and saying, how are you? Is there anything I can do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Resurrecting? <laughs> yeah, but I think the... And the, the shame is definitely there, you're right. And also, did you feel there was any help out there? I don't think I'd have even known where to begin, no. And in the last... Oh, I mean, how long ago? Well, it's like 13 years. Things have changed slightly. Even though the internet, obviously, it was around... I don't think it was what it is today. The acceleration you know, has been it, massive. It, it has it? been massive, even in 13 years. Well, the first time I picked a smartphone up, I think, was in 2014. Well, there you go. Yeah, so, I mean, what's that? Seven, seven, eight, seven years? Yeah. Exactly. So, it was just the time when Facebook was just starting. Having changes as a page and things like that. It wasn't yeah. even around, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't something that, as a teenager, I'd find easy to access. No. So no, I, I wouldn't say there was anything. I'm not sure there's enough now. Either, no, and I was just honest. about to say, actually, I don't see enough 
support for families out there if i'm totally honest obviously naturally the services for recovering addicts to, to access but i wouldn't feel that say aa would be a place that i could go to to talk about my experience no you'd have to go to one and on exactly that's that's what i mean so um, no i don't think there is enough out there and also it would get rid of this thing whereby you've got oh right let's pack him off to rehab for eight exactly, weeks yeah. and oh and he'll stop in a dry house for another six months and when he comes back he's going to be fixed yeah and we don't have to deal with this yeah. now, yeah. And and I think the mm. very fact that there isn't enough out there creates this stigma. And it's the reason why people don't talk about it. It's the reason why you don't feel comfortable to... I even see now, if I said to people that both of my parents are alcoholics, they don't really know what to say. They don't really know how to react. Yeah. And it shouldn't be like that. It's an addiction. No, it, sh- it shouldn't you at know? all. It's an addiction. No. It's like there is no... It, and it's a significant minority of people that are afflicted by addiction. It's not 2%. No. And this great not saying it, mm. on the one hand, I think it's a very English thing. Probably. But Probably. I also think it's the nature of not being willing to quantify it. In the AA book, it calls it a disease, and I, I do subscribe to that concept. But there's all sorts of different mnemonics and acronyms being thrown about every other day. Call it the alcohol dependence syndrome or, or whatever. Anything to give it a title and call it medical, as if it could just be treated. Yeah. And I think the more confused it gets, and the more confused people get talking about it, the more it's going to stay under the carpet. Absolutely. But for the immediate family, it doesn't stay under the carpet because of the point where it explodes. Yeah, exactly. There's a point where you, it's just enough's enough. You know, it's too much. Because even if you get what you've got with your mother, which is where she's got sober and stayed sober, there's still all the shit that went under the bridge before. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. And more often than not, there is a degree of damage that may not ever properly be healed. Of course there isn't, but I accept that now. It's yeah. took a very long time, but I accept that now. And acceptance is the biggest thing, I think. But for a long time, and this is going to sound probably really silly, and it, I thought to myself, oh, I'd love to have a glass of wine with my mum. I see other mm. people having glasses of wines with their yeah. mums, and I'd love to go out and do these things. And, yeah. and I accept that that isn't possible because, because it's just not. It's yeah. not possible. It's not possible for them to do that. And actually, what we do have now is is very special. We have an amazing relationship. She's a great nan to my little boy now. She has him once a week. She's working. I actually forget, which is how I think it... it, No, that's wrong. I don't mean forget. I don't think she ever forget. But you you don't think about it on a day-to-day basis. You know, the worry's not there. There's no worry that I think that she's going to relapse. That little thing in your stomach that you think, God, and you, you see you're at a, a restaurant or a pub and you, you see that there's alcohol. I don't get that feeling anymore. Yeah. I'm not saying she does it. I mean, that would be something totally different. But it's not the overriding factor in our relationship anymore. Yeah. Our relationship is mom and daughter, and that's yeah. it. And that's Absolutely, how it is. and that's really what you wanted back. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. And I've got that, and it's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming in, Katie. No and, problem. Uh, and if we get round to having some sort of forum, then I think we'll have you back. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Yes, I think that's a salutary reminder of the fact that we we can't just expect to go to rehab, get fixed, and then go back to a situation that was broken and have it suddenly magically fix itself. Anyway, I've reached time today. 
so I love you and leave you. I would ask, please, if anyone has a suggestion for our new name, which we still haven't decided upon yet, or if there are any other family members who would like to come on and speak to us on here, or any other alcoholics or addicts, we're always open to an interview, and you don't necessarily have to come from one particular recovery stable in order to to come and speak to us on here. We're a broad church, as we should be. I am contactable on Twitter as Recovery Central, and we can also be found, of course, on the Changes Facebook page. There will be a post at some point today with this on, so... So all that remains is for me to wish you a lovely weekend.